Hello, everybody. All of my weed freaks, potheads, uh, kind of curious people. Thank you for turning on this podcast. Uh, as you hopefully know, this is the podcast where we talk about what it's like to be high. And sometimes we talk about some other things. So yet again, we are here with a new interview subject. Today we have Jamie. Jamie, uh, I think she has some history with cannabis, um, but also in addition to that, which obviously we're going to talk about her history um, and what it's like, but she also is uh, the co-founder of a recreational cannabis startup. Uh, So Jamie, please tell the folks about who who you are um, and a bit more about this, uh, this cannabis startup. Sure. So I have been working on all sorts of um, community engagement um, for years. And because of that, I was invited to join uh, Perception Farms, which has applied for several dispensary licenses and a craft grow license in the state of Illinois. And we are very equity based, which the state's requirements are that, but mm-hmm. we are really sharing equity with all of the employees as part of our business model, as opposed to just hiring one person that will then receive a minimum of 51% of, of the equity of the of each license. So um, really a co-op model and trying to distribute wealth throughout communities in the Chicago area. That's really awesome. Can you actually go a little bit more in depth? Because I'm sure a lot of people don't fully know, you know, all what's involved in this, the equity that Illinois has put forth in terms of the cannabis legalization that they did at the beginning of, I think it was the beginning of this year, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even remember all the details myself. Obviously, you don't need to go through every single little thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. can you give us just a little bit more information on what that is? And then, um, you know, what that specifically means for your employees? Yeah. So in Illinois, um, really the folks who have been carrying the burden of illegal um, cannabis throughout most of our history have been um, primarily people of color. And Illinois really wanted to make sure that as they embraced legalization, that those, um, you know, people who had been, you know, would be considered um, most underrepresented in the field of of cannabis and in the legal cannabis recreation um, market, that they have an opportunity for ownership because they have been the most impacted by by the war on cannabis. And so it was really interesting how Illinois set up all of its laws and its systems and its application. Um, for the first round, none of which is perfect. And there's a lot of lawsuits um, happening around that right now. But really, they wanted the lawmakers and the people that wrote the bill really wanted to ensure that there wasn't um, more perpetuation of white males owning and running all of the cannabis companies in Illinois, but really trying to support community members, um, but especially people of color in Illinois as license holders. Um, women aren't represented very much either in, in that space. And so I'm a little bit unique in that way, but still a white person. And so we really 
met up um, and, and did a lot of interviewing and engaging with people who were what the state would identify as a social equity applicant so that they lived in a region of the state that was in, most impacted by um, the war on cannabis, or um, they were they had a minor um, a minor drug related offense on their record that would actually be deleted by the new um, legalization of cannabis in Illinois. And I think those were like nonviolent, and it was under a certain amount and that Correct. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even with that, um, you know, they there might have just been a ticket. You know, in the last few years. That, uh, Cook County, at least in Chicago, has been pretty light on that. But in terms of, of what your reprimand was, if you were caught with cannabis and you weren't supposed to have it before it was legal. But before that, I mean, you know, the situation could have been pretty grim. You could have gone to jail. You could have really lost um, part of your life and had a permanent record against you by having uh, what was not really a big amount of cannabis on you. So that yeah, the way the law was structured, they were really trying to make amends and reparations for those community members. Yeah, I mean, as much as they possibly can. Yeah, lives have been just absolutely ruined mm-hmm. by just tiny amounts of, of cannabis arrests and go to jail forever. And yeah, it, it really has screwed things up. I went to one of the um, one of the town hall meetings about this new legalization mm-hmm. before it went through in my town. And I I had no idea at that time what they had been planning. I knew that they had been working on it. They had been talking to people at you know in Colorado and Washington. I had no idea that the the amount of research that they had done. And then when they got into this whole equity thing, um, I, I was I was blown away because they said this is the main goal of why we are doing this, and we want these laws, this this new law, to be the gold standard for other states uh, to work from. Because when Colorado did it, it was sort of a free for all, yes. <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, you know, it, like you said, it, it may not be perfect, but it's definitely uh, you know the best thing that was out there at the time. Um, so it's it's really great. That was I was so relieved to hear that this was a big part of what they were doing. So what does that look like for your employees? Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 do they get from that? Yeah. So every um, license that we applied for, we had a separate set of um, applicants, social equity applicants on that on that license with us, and. We, they will all have equity in the company as will, you know, it will be tested on legally on this model as, as we move forward, if we're successful in securing a license in Illinois, Um, but uh, really ensuring that all new employees, in addition to those founding applicants who are on the license, that they also have equity in the company. So I think I said earlier, it's almost like a co-op model where everybody who's working for whether it's our, our umbrella company or the individual license holders, so the individual dispensaries or the individual craft grow um, locations, everybody will have ownership. And of course, that's us, you know, giving up you know some of our control and our equity as well. But it's only going to make everything that much stronger because of that commitment and interest in each of those individual employee owners in the company's success. It's not just a job. It's also something, it's a company that you own stock in and that 
that has value. And it's, it's really different than just hiring someone. Absolutely. I mean, when you, when, when uh, an employee is in that situation, they have much more, they're, they're, uh, they have much more higher vested interest Mm -hmm. in doing a good job and making sure that the company succeeds. And you hear stories all the time about when the owners of the company actually treat their employees fairly and make them happy uh, and and give them what they deserve, the, the company actually does better uh, and everybody's happy, which really is the ultimate goal. Um, so yeah, that's that's awesome to hear that obviously that Illinois has done this, but that you are jumping on this and and obviously doing what you can uh, to help um, and also just to to help this this industry, which um, is is um, I think it's just it's a really important industry. Anybody who's who's heard this podcast knows kind of how I feel about that um, because it's 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 medicine both physically and mentally. I okay. feel like. Um, so if, if the, unless there's anything else specific that you want to talk about that, um, we can get into the actual interview portion. Sure. Let's go. <laughs> cool. Uh, so please tell me the first time that you tried pot, if you can remember. And if it was not the first time that got you high, please tell me that story as well. So yes, um, I was in high school and was probably 17 the first time. Um, that I smoked and I did not get high. Um, It it was, did not affect me the first time. So the second time I was with friends and it definitely was, and we'll continue to talk about this, I think over the course of the interview, um, you know, a, a new sensation and really interesting to me that I wanted to continue to do it. Um, and so I did, um, you know, I was a semi-regular user, I would say until I was about 21 or 22. And then I took quite a hiatus, um, after that, but while I was in the zone in the beginning, um, I, I really appreciated the mental stimulation, the physical stimulation of being high. And so these first couple of times, uh, you said that you were with friends. Was there anything specifically interesting about the, the, the situation or was it like, like how, did, how did you get it? Was it the first time for all of you? Uh, what were some of the details about those first times? Yeah, so the first time that wasn't effective in getting me high, um, it was many of our first times. It was a small group of people. I think there were three of us. And after that, um, you know, often we would, as we were both in high school and obviously it wasn't legal, we would um, smoke outside. And I remember that at the beginning, it was always cold. Um, it, so it, there must have, must have been in the winter that I first tried it. And then we would go inside and just hang out for the most part. And often watching something and lots of lots of giggling lots of munchies all those stereotypical things that i actually don't experience now um Mm -hmm. but i did back then um yeah and i know all of it depends on what kind of cannabis that you're taking in um you know which you know triggers what the other reactions are going to be but lots of giggling lots of eating and do you remember any of the things that you watched Oh, I can think about whose 
house we were in and who was with me. Um, we, there was a quite a stretch where there were just three of us um, smoking together and then hanging out. I don't. I don't. Um, although throughout the early, like my first few years of smoking before I, I went on hiatus, I know that there was a lot of David Lynch movie watching um, mm. in that, and not not so much giggling accompanied <laughs> with that, but, <laughs> but definitely uh, mentally stimulating for the high that I was having. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's familiar with David Lynch stuff, that's definitely mentally stimulating uh, in a, just a normal state of mind. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that this was this was a new feeling, uh, something that you wanted to continue with, which you obviously did for a little while. What what was it? Can you put into words what it was about this new feeling? Uh, why was it different? How did you feel different? Yeah, so I think, and and I do experience that now as well. Um, there's a just a sense of relaxation and a slight buzz, and awareness of a lot of sensory details and the experience going on around me that I might not take in otherwise. So there is definitely a lot of um, physicality to it where. My yeah, body felt, um, yeah, I, I guess buzzed as well as my mind and really being able to, I, I guess I um, yeah, just was very and continue to be very aware of all sorts of sensual pieces of life that can be overlooked sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely get into some of some of the details with like sort of all those types of type types of things uh, in terms of focus and the physicality and and the relaxation. Um, in general, if there's ever a story that jumps out at you that you think of, uh, feel free to just tell it because this um, uh, this stories just help so much. Um, so just on on that note, is there a specific story from your past that jumps out at you whenever you think about getting high that, that you you just go to that one right away? So I, I would actually say in reflection, um, more recently, I was on a trip where I was doing a lot of hiking and the my friend that I was with kind of unexpectedly gave me a mint when we were going to watch the sunset and we were out looking over Lake Michigan and literally just were sitting there watching the sunset slowly. It's something that he and I have done together multiple times now where we're just really appreciating the and taking in the light fading from the sky and when we sat down the the sun was pretty high but the um we were sitting yeah on lake michigan and one of the places that's rated almost one of the best places to watch a sunset in the country and Mm. it was just so amazing to sit and be high not outrageously high but high and hear the waves see the light sparkle feel the breeze watch the sun slowly slowly set um, and feel like you are really able to capture that whole experience um, 
and we were together and certainly interacting a little bit, but both of us were having our own individual experiences mm-hmm. watching that sunset. And so what, what, and, and then this is, this is sort of the, the, the thing that I think about all the time. And I, and I ask people this about various types of things. What was it about the sunset? What was different? What was the thought process like of, of why was the sunset different? Why was it so enjoyable? Were there specific thoughts that you can think of that you can remember at this point? Yeah, and I think it goes back to what I mentioned already of like the sensory experience um, and how I really like that part of um, being high, where everything just seems heightened. And really, it's probably it's not that it's any different from reality, like that those experiences could be had on their own. Um, But you're slowing down enough to be like totally present and appreciative and take it all in. And so yeah, like, uh, just the slowing down, I think is a is a big piece of that. Um, in, In addition to that, there are, you know, some some things going on chemically in the brain, you know, while you're high as well that support that. But, you know, just, I mean, I, I can recall really being into the slow sound of the lapping waves, the light sparkling off the water, the color of the sun set itself wasn't even super extraordinary, but mm. having being slow and, and having that full experience was was what made it so spectacular. It's such a wonderful thing. I mean, sunsets, sunrises are, are just beautiful in general. Um, and then when you add that, it, you know, it takes it obviously to another level. And I think I ask these questions. Um, I, I guess part of it is is why I'm doing this in general is because I sort of want to get into people's heads. I want to know what their thought process is like, what's going on in their in their head, because you know, the, it's which is not possible. Uh, we we can't you know understand what somebody else's experience is like. Um, so I guess this is just my way of 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 getting into people's heads just a little bit more, um, just to sort of see what their experience is like, since it's different than mine. Um, yeah, and but, absolutely. I mean, I think we know that like with any stimulant, we all are truly having different experiences. And you have talked about that in just about all of this, um, <laughs> all of this podcast series from the beginning when, you know, it was more of a more cuts of individual interviews on one specific topic to to now, you know, I, I it is fascinating to understand what any of our experiences are that are different with the same thing because of course our individual chemistry and our brain chemistry is so is so unique it is and it's yeah i i, I just find that so fascinating mm-hmm. so it's it's always good that when people can agree and validate my opinions um <laughs> so you talked about it being slower so let's talk about time um you know there's not maybe a whole lot to say uh, you've already mentioned that it feels slower is that is that pretty common for you that when you get high that uh everything sort of just feels slower yeah and especially the more high i am um it, everything kind of visually seems like it's going in slow motion mm-hmm. um and i'm pretty selective about when I use cannabis um, these days and what type of cannabis I'm or how I'm intaking the cannabis, whether it's an edible or smoking, 
um, based on what I'm looking for out of it. There, I, I certainly don't expect to be all that productive when I'm in that slow space. But it, um, I, I so I, I'll give an example. Um, this summer, my grandmother died of COVID, and when someone's in the hospital with COVID and who's old, who has breathing problems already, I mean, it just doesn't seem really like an optimistic uh, situation that they're going to leave the hospital um, in reality. And it was pretty terrible, you know, going through that experience of her being in the hospital, just knowing that that was likely going to be the end result. And the day that she did die, I was like, oh, I need this. I need the slowdown. I Mm. need the relaxation. But I also just need to need that sense of peace that cannabis can afford um i think i used edibles that day but it was yeah it was absolutely um the best way for me to cope at that moment yeah and i mean obviously i'm the loss of anybody in your life is hard but especially uh during this year that's something that a lot of people have been experiencing which none of us should be experiencing that at all but that just i think adds another layer so i'm sorry obviously for your loss um and how how did it help you that that day what what um i don't know what how how did it help you yeah so um i would say in general i'm going to go to a super generalization of acquaintances or friends that have been using more since the pandemic um started but you know i think in illinois we've been so lucky that you know recreational cannabis became legal um, I, I know that you can have a medical card, and that's a whole um, a whole feat in itself to to get that card. But for the rest of us um, who just never really thought that that was the path to go down for whatever reason, to have cannabis be legally purchasable tr- right before the pandemic started, I feel like is such a crazy gift that. Um, I don't think any of us would have anticipated. Um, I, I know so many people who are using it for anxiety and um, even low-level depression um, treatment right now, or that's the only way they're getting to sleep. It's fascinating the role that recreational cannabis is playing in Illinois right now because of because of the pandemic. But for me that day, I had been so caught up in so many emotions for, you know, I think she was in the hospital for 10 days before she died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a roller coaster up and down. And, you know, even I I actually have never really felt that way before where there were days that I was like, oh, I need to eat. Like I need to be eating. And and I, I, I didn't expect this whole experience to, to be like that. But when she did pass, um, which, as I said, I felt was inevitable, it was just like, okay, I, I need to let all that roller coaster of emotions just kind of be right now and just be present and reconnect with myself. Mm. Uh, did it allow you to sort of get into your emotions a little bit more? Um, did it, or, or, or did it even do the opposite? Um, you know, I guess in some way, sometimes numbing the emotions 
it can be a maybe a beneficial way, at least temporarily, in that process. Yeah, um, I, I would say it's actually more of the latter, where I I, I needed to turn it off right. um, because it had been so up and down and so emotional um, the the previous ten days. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. Like for like the next four or five hours, this is okay. I'm going to get back to everything else, and I'm going to have all of my feelings and reactions. But I'm going to do this, um, and. I think I might have binged to watch Parks and Rec at the same time. <laughs> you know, so really I was turning it off and just trying to reconnect with some joy in a sad time. Sure. And yeah, obviously we all need that when we're going through a situation like that. Um, it, as maybe hard as it is to admit, I think we, we do need that at times um, when, you're, when, you're go- when you're in the thick of it. You need sometimes some, some light. Um, so uh, we had actually been talking about time a little bit, and uh, it, you said it sort of slows everything down. Um, I had another question about that specifically. So it, it's, what, what do you think, um, why do you think everything is slowed down for you? You know, um, so interestingly, you know, as part of our dispensary application, I had to take a dispensary agent training. It's a requirement mm. for anybody um, who is going to work in um, or be able to sell cannabis. And I learned a lot um, in a good, good way. Um, you know, I'm not on the scientific end of cannabis use um, before before I really was in, in the applying for the um, recreational licenses with my my co-founders and it was so interesting to understand so like the, the the training and the test is really focused on individuals reactions and some of the chemistry and especially uh, especially around indica and sativas and i think i still I'm intrigued because I know that there's so much that's going on that we don't have enough research around because cannabis has been illegal for so long now um, that I, I would love to know more around what what is chemically happening to each person's brain or just the user's brain in general, like what parts of the brain are being stimulated and lighting up um, when you're high or which um, parts are kind of slowed down. Um, because I think that that probably all really affects <laughs> what's happening mm-hmm. um, aside from perception. But you know what? I think you need to ask me that question again. Why do you think, why do I think it slows down? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I guess the, the more specifically is sort of what's going on in your brain mm-hmm. that makes things feel or seem like they're slower. Yeah, you know, I, I think with cannabis, similar to alcohol, sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of a fuzziness that's going on um, for me when I'm I'm intoxicated. And I, that's probably something of what's happening. It's almost like it's gauzier um, and maybe the, the connections of like neurons firing and the synapses in my brain are just go, moving a little bit at a slower rate than they normally would be. And that's kind of what it feels like so that mm. it's the thinking as well as the bodily reactions are also slowed down. Yeah. And, and what a gift, especially for a sunset, to actually enjoy it in a much slower way because that's something that you feel like oh you know when it's over 
oh, I, I wish I had enjoyed it more. Or I wish it would have lasted longer. Um, but then when you when you can actually do that, and it's I think a lot more about being in the moment. Um, it it that's a that's a gift I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, so, uh, sort of to backtrack a little bit, you had mentioned that sometimes you smoke, sometimes you, uh, take edibles. Um, are there other methods that you, that you use or is it really just those two? Just those two. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you prefer one over the other? Is there a reason why you choose one over the other? Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I, really really enjoy smoking you know it's it's so old school of when i started using it Mm -hmm. um i've always liked that sensation and the feeling is different i feel like the high is different um Mm -hmm. as well as how quickly you're feeling you know the impact of of being high as opposed to more delayed with the with the edibles so that's that's my preference is smoking. However, I also understand that that there's a real impact on your lungs and your lung health, just like smoking anything else um, has. And mm-hmm. especially right now, it's been fascinating to just hear how many people are really trying to move to edibles um, because of concern of coronavirus and their lungs. And so people are like, okay, we're just going to go with edibles and I'm more and more like maybe I'm being influenced by their thinking, but I really like smoking better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, like you said, there's that immediate impact. Um, I mean, I guess vapes probably that they would give that as well. But a lot of people have said it, it's just a different feeling. Um, and I do think it is so funny because you are not the first person to say that you enjoy the act of smoking. And logically, that makes no sense to me. And I think it's hilarious. But you know, obviously, people like it. And even though I may not necessarily have that nostalgia or that feeling mm-hmm. of, I like this, uh, you know, clearly like that, that brings back a lot, a lot of people have mentioned it's old school, that's the way it was, and there really was no other option. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Um, but then also people have said, like, I like the burn in the back of my mm-hmm. throat, which I think mm-hmm. it's like, it's so anti-logical it doesn't make any sense but (laughs) but it's so great that there are multiple people who just feel that way and you know that's cool fine especially because edibles i mean they're not also like homemade edibles if you're buying them on a legal market um and not that there's anything wrong with homemade edibles um but i they're so good like taste wise they're so good and so to prefer the smoking is interesting because you can have such different um, additional sensory experiences and super tasty ones by, by taking in edibles and vapes. I do not like, I only tried a few times. um, And actually the last I purchased um, a cartridge once and then that made me have to go, you know, buy, buy a whole bunch of company, accompanying parts. And I ended up giving it to my ex-husband because it was like, I am not into this at all. Like here, yeah. <laughs> take this. it sort of takes it to another level. I didn't like the taste. Uh, mm. but yeah. Mm. Not for you. Um, and then how often do you either smoke or, or have an edible? I think you mentioned you're, you're pretty particular on when you actually do it. How often is that? Um, I would say 
Uh, it kind of depends on, well, for sure it depends on whether my child is with me or not, um, (laughs) which is true also for my drinking. Um, you know, if I have a glass of wine, that'll be it. But sometimes, you know, when, um, I would say, especially in the last probably six or seven months when my brain isn't able to shut off, I will use it um, before bedtime just to help me sleep um, and fall asleep. Um, I'm trying to think of like, okay, but that's not answering your actual question of how often. That's maybe, okay. It's all good stuff. Yeah. Maybe on average twice a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say on average, um, you know, and sometimes I feel like it's like, oh, man, like my brain will not calm down right now. And so it might be every night I take one hit or one like low dosage of a gummy just to (laughs) get me to go to sleep. Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, and you you said, you know, the last six or seven months. Yeah, that's the time that we've mm -hmm. all been struggling. So that that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Uh, so uh, on average twice twice a week um, mm-hmm. and then other than your child not being there other than um, needing to shut off your brain or needing to sleep um, is there something else that is the reason why you would choose to do it you know usually I want to have enough time to be able to enjoy it sure um, obviously those times I'm taking going or taking it before bed like are are, it's not like a full experience um i like i said i like the sensation i love the the experience of being high and so it's often just having enough of a window of time when i'm like yes i can do that Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah and obviously we're we're all pretty busy so that you know, you may not have a lot of time to enjoy it. So they're like, oh, well, there there goes that day. Let's try tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't um, I don't take in that much at any one time. So it's pro- probably uh, not what most people experience. Like I'm not getting like baked. I'm just getting buzzed um, for the most part, unless I'm taking a little bit of a higher dosage of edibles. Mm-hmm. And then what, what is your sort of average um, edible amount milligrams wise? Well, also my dispensary agent training um, made me realize that just like alcohol, um, that uh, cannabis, you just start having a tolerance for it. And mm-hmm. obviously there's some relation with your weight and your, yeah, how much, how much, uh, how often you take in any amount of cannabis. And so I, For a while, um, I would say, like, honestly, two milligrams is like, okay, this is fine. Um, And it is not the case. Last night I had a, um, or anymore, um, last night I had a five milligram mint. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if I just have a really full stomach or if my tolerance is getting better. But I really didn't feel much of anything. And most people would laugh at that dosage anyway, because people are like, what? I take 20 milligrams right. when I'm trying to get stoned. Um, but I, I, my tolerance for everything, alcohol included, is always pretty low. Um, and so I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now I know. Because um, this weekend, I actually have some relaxing time as well as the next weekend. And so I'm, I have plans 
to to get stoned um and i am gonna need to up uh, whatever level i'm gonna take yeah definitely you know start on that lower end you know you don't want to <laughs> overdo it right away unless you totally want to overdo yeah. it which is fine you're not gonna die it's you're you're gonna probably pass out worst case yeah um so okay yeah so so Five, five milligrams sounds like it's on the lower side for you at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to- I mean, tolerance, there are people who literally will take a full month off. Um, just it, they call it a, you know, a, a tea break or a tolerance break. Mm. Um, even I think just one or two days mm-hmm. in between um, really will have a, a major effect on your tolerance. Um, yeah. And then so this is this is one of my favorite questions because there's never a good answer for it. But um, has anybody, well, actually, before I ask this question, do you typically um, get high alone or with a person or with other people? And obviously, the last like seven months are kind of an exception. Yeah. So um, I actually didn't get into this at all, um, you know, but this is a good time to bring it up. So, as I said, you know, there's probably about four or five years that I was semi regularly, although, I, you know, I had very little um, income to put towards buying cannabis. Um, but I, I was, from the time I was like 17 to 22, a user. And then I stopped, and I don't even remember why I stopped, um, but I, I didn't consume at all for probably about two years and then I tried it again and I was like, wow, yeah, I do not like this at all. Mm. And and so I, and now I realize that it was probably the strain that I had, like that it was probably something very specific about what I was smoking that day, but I had no idea. Like actually that light bulb went off earlier this year and I was like, oh, that's probably what happened. It Mm. probably wasn't actually that I didn't like it or if it was like way out of my previous experiences, it might've been an indica instead of sativa. I don't know, but like Mm -hmm. it was most likely that I always used to do it, um, as a group, um, you know, that was all, it was social. It was, um, I, I don't think I ever, when I was younger, smoked alone. It was, you know, the equivalent of drinking and going out to a bar, you know, you're just going to somebody's friend, some, a friend's house and hanging out. Now it's almost exclusively solo, but again, my uptake really, um, increased this year, which is during the pandemic. So I, I feel like it's a little hard to, to pull that out. Um, and I also realized like when I was with my friend, and what, what we watched the sunset together because I wasn't in the practice of talking anymore while I was high. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I'm really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm just not in, I'm just used to going so into my head right now um, that I, I'm like, oh, I'll have to work on that at some point, you know, whenever we see the end of this. Right, right. Yeah, it was you're you're used to just thinking a lot when you're alone because that's what you've been doing. Um, and then when you're <laughs> when you get into that state and there's another person there that you just you start thinking and you feel like you're being antisocial. So he <laughs> he was also just quiet as well, or was he talking and you were ignoring him? <laughs> oh, he was actually quiet as well. Um, we both really really enjoy being in nature and mm. so um it was this a great opportunity to just yeah, 
B, watch the sunset um, and, and enjoy all that we were seeing and hearing and feeling in that moment. And it, we, it was really nice, actually, that we didn't feel compelled to either one of us to, to chat away. Right. And then did, has he ever said, or in your past have, when it was more social, has anybody actually told you what you were like when you were high? Hmm. So we didn't talk about that. He and I, after that experience, but, um, huh. <laughs> I might not want to go there. That's totally yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah, worries. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm here to get some level of uh, view into your life, but yes. I don't need all of it. There's yeah. privacy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let's see. So, you know, this this is typically a, a very early question. We've already talked a lot about stuff. But, um, you know, when you first uh, take a hit when you're smoking or when that edible starts to kick in, what are some of the things that you start to feel? Warmth, like physical internal warmth um, is probably part, part one of my first indicators that I'm getting high that I will just feel yeah in, internally like warmth is spreading through me and it's subtle you know so I have to be paying attention it's not like overwhelming of an experience that's right. um, usually the first thing that I'll feel to know that I'm high and then the the mental um, mental feelings are following that, but it's it's physical for me first, which is always interesting because then I'll be like, "Oh, does my brain know this is happening yet?" <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely something I can feel physically before I'm aware of mentally. And it's so funny that you say, "Is my brain aware of this?" When you know, in general. And it's not 100% true, but in general, those physical feelings probably are stemming from the brain in the first place anyway. Of course, yes. <laughs> right, right. And then, but your brain isn't necessarily conscious of mm. what is happening. That's so that, that you feel it first. Um, and I, I think that that's probably fairly typical, although not probably not necessarily. Um, and then, you know, this this is another one of those things that you may not know unless you're actually paying very close attention. But when the brain does start to catch up and you do start to have those thoughts what what are some of those thoughts do you have any specific memories of 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 what that is yeah i I know that uh, the more specific the better but i'll at least probably the the sensations first are um relaxed and happy i guess um you know it's rare that i i don't feel good when I'm high, I guess I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't um, continue to be high it, right. or continue to get high if I didn't feel good. Um, you know, finding things funnier, um, you know, especially when you're in a house or an apartment by yourself watching Parks and Rec laughing really loudly um, to an outsider, I'm sure, or anybody who could just hear the product, what the hell is happening <laughs> in there? Um, but I, I, I think... That probably is, you know, there's a slight amount of relaxation mentally and physically, as well as um, that warmth being a a good feeling. So, you know, smiling as part of that and just generally feeling better. Yeah. Smiling, happiness, feeling better. Those are all good things. Uh, 
if there are if there's anybody listening who has never gotten high that is what you should take away from this if nothing else take take that away that you know maybe not 100% of the time but that is a very typical response um so let's go back so we we talked about time uh let's talk about focus you already sort of mentioned uh like when you were watching at watching the sunset how you were a little bit more focused it sounded like on some of these things uh but can you go into a little bit more detail how your level of focus changes when you get high yeah so now that i'm i actually hadn't considered this before but um my day job involves understanding a lot of the benefits of nature and there is in particular a theory called attention restoration theory that talks about why being out in nature, watching a fire, watching a sunset helps your brain to relax because it's not being stimulated in a super focused way. Um, you know, you're certainly paying attention and observing and all of that, but you don't have to use your brain super strongly to have that experience as opposed to working or hosting a podcast where your brain is, you know, being taxed and and Mm -hmm. asked to work. And I feel like that's probably how it comes down to what I choose to do or not do when I'm high, which is interesting. I just hadn't considered it before. Like I'm usually, I want to be in those spaces where my brain is not heavily demanded of. Um, and I don't think it's just because that's where my brain is operating, but it's where I'm enjoying my mental focus being. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like yeah, you 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 enjoy being sort of in that headspace anyway, um, and so do you think that's why you? Yeah, I'm sort of trying to wrap my brain around it at the same time. Um, so how do you think that's that's relating to focus specifically? Um, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I I think um, which is again I do I don't um, tend to do anything that requires a heavy amount of focus. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to do any work. I'm not going to try, you know, to, to work really hard on something that demands all of my energy. But I think it's because of where I'm tapping into or what I want that experience to be, that it is more restorative. I guess every all the stories that I've been telling thus far have been restorative stories, whether it's trauma or you know grief rest, you know, restoration, um, whether it's being out in nature, which I find to be heavily restorative, right? Um, or just watching TV and hanging out, you know, and, and getting getting those you know those bits of joy. Yeah, I think all of it's just really focused on the restoration. And so that's right. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like uh, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you've done the work for the day, you know, you've been productive. Um, I I sort of I think about this a lot just in my day to day life. I want to make sure that I'm productive at least a good chunk of the day. And then, you know, once you feel like that, then you can sort of turn your brain off. And, you know, whether it's watching TV or getting high or getting drunk or going into nature or whatever it is, I think we all sort of need that time. And so then when you do those things, when you go into nature, when you watch Parks and Rec, 
one of the greatest shows ever. Uh, how how does your focus change re- in those specific situations? I feel like I'm able to be completely absorbed and present. Um, <laughs> understanding that being in nature um, is very different than sitting in front of a screen in right. terms of like presence. Um, but just I'm not thinking about all 20 things I need to do on my list next to me. I'm not thinking about um, it. Just so many extraneous things I'm focused on what I'm doing. Um, and it's really interesting too, that you even say, you know, like just the, uh, not working to a certain amount and then making sure that there's rest because we, there's also a whole bunch of research behind that about, um, you can't keep taxing your brain and actually you have a full tank in your brain the next mm-hmm. day. And so it's just, I don't know what, whether you're using something else um, to facilitate that brain relaxation um, and that restoration or going out in nature. Um, all, like, yeah, all of our brains need it um, to actually be as productive and especially as creative and critically thinking as, as we can be. That was a crazy aside. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, the the asides are great. I, they're they're great. Um, and so then, and I feel I feel like I keep on asking the same question, but I trust me, it's it. You're you're giving me new stuff every time. Um, so when you are, you know, say say hiking, when you're in nature, are you looking at? at the nature, at the trees, at the sky, at the ground, whatever it is, are you looking at that specifically in a different way? Or is it more a general sense of uh, just enjoying nature probably even more than you normally would? No, it, it, it is very visual in that case. So the, whatever it is, as like the sunset of whatever is in front of me just really feels that much more descriptive or that there's that much more to experience if it's bark on a tree yeah the nuances of the texture and the color um and even like how big the tree is and most likely i'm touching it um you know there it it's so much i think i keep using this word but more sensory Mm -hmm. and sensual um all of that experience um and w- whether it's visual or physical, yeah, it, it, it's really putting a spin on what that experience is. With that, the just like being in nature and enjoying it, um, I actually had a conversation um, recently with a family member who was like, yeah, you should come up and, and take this vacation with us. But I have to tell you, we pretty much just sit on the porch, look over the water and get stoned. And I was like, oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, just like really, like it's another like very sensory, sensual experience of like, this is what I want to look at. This is what I want to smell. This is what I want to, I, I guess, hear when I'm, when I'm stoned. Like I, we go to this place to do that thing. It's like, oh, huh. That's pretty interesting insight to them. Right, right. Something that sounds like you maybe hadn't known. And yeah, that sounds like a pretty great uh, weekend or long week or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feel it's like you, 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 you said that you sort of look at like the bark or whatever it is. 
it feels like, why can't we do that normally? Why can't we have that state of mind all the time? Mm -hmm. And there's this thing, luckily, there's this thing that allows us to focus in on that a bit more. You know, I, I think that there are people probably like you who who are probably more in tune with a lot of those things, especially when it comes to nature, more than the rest of us. Um, but it does feel like it allows us to focus in on things that we we weren't able to focus in on or wouldn't allow ourselves to focus in on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, there's no specific question to this. It's more of a comment of, you know, I guess this sort of gets into my question, which I usually ask at the end, um, which is, you know, has it affected your your sober life at all? Do you do you take the feelings of what it's like to be high into your sober life at all? So that's interesting. I think we kind of danced around that a, a little bit um, in the the rest restorative part of the mm. experience um, for me so that it might not be exactly the feeling or the experience, but it has allowed me to recharge in some way that I needed at that, at that time, um, whether it was laughing or just ex- being out in nature and experiencing that um, or not feeling <laughs> all of the other emotions um, that I had been feeling. Um, it, it allowed me to be, emerge better, I guess, or more prepared for whatever was next. Um, yeah. And then, so, you know, do you, do you take the the memory of what it's like to be in that state of mind? It, you know, if you, if you feel like you need that sort of restorative mindset, but you're not in a place necessarily that will, that you can do that. Um, do you ever consciously take those feelings and, and get yourself into that state of mind? without being without you know doing one of the restoring activities and without being high yeah that's super interesting so um uh when i went to minnesota earlier this summer and just really needed all the restoration and we did smoke a little we drank a little um and when i was writing in my journal afterwards um to try to capture the feelings of that experience. Um, I definitely was capturing many of the moments when I was high and writing it down in memory so that I would have record of like all the details of it, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So, um, and being able to then read those descriptions later does allow me to get that endorphin release the relaxation um but it's really been yeah i would say more about when i write something about that experience and then can tap back into that feeling probably more than trying to pull it up myself sure and then uh, obviously this is very personal but are, are there were there any specific things in the journal that you are okay with sharing any specifics from that so, yeah, sure. Um, and I think that I, I wish I had it in front of me right now, my journal. Um, it's not that far away in the house, but um, it's not in front of me. I There were many more of those moments where we were just m- mostly in nature. That was really my, my uh, 
goal for that particular trip because I, it had been so long of mm-hmm. me, um, staying in the city and knowing that I, I really needed to get out and, and reconnect with wilderness. Um, but so a lot of the experiences were sitting out on the little deck and watching the sunset, watching like all of the color fade from the sky and like, like seeing what those nuances were. Um, one was on the shore of Lake Superior. One was um, in the boundary waters and they were really different experiences, but um, just felt like such a gift of also being able to slow down spend the time to do that. That was the, both of those, I think that those nights might've even been back to back. I had never done anything like that before where I like just sat with somebody and watched with the color fade from the sky. And when you're actually doing that, you realize how long that takes, Mm. like how many like nuances there are, how many um, you're like, Oh no, there's still actually color in the sky when your eyes are able to adjust to all of that. Um, So it was really those kind of, again, super sensory, slow, detailed experiences that then I was going back and writing about. Yeah. So we are going to end the very long part one of Jamie's interview there. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, So Jamie's uh, organization, Perception Farms, they do have a website, which I will put in the show notes. It is just perceptionfarms.com. Uh, very easy and simple. So thank you for that. Uh, they do have a couple of social media links in there, which I will also put in the show notes. I think right now they've got Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so yes, definitely go go check them out uh, as they're working on this, getting this uh, new venture created. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens with that. Uh, and so yeah, we're, we're going to end things there. Uh, my email is whenimhighdoc at gmail.com. Please email me if you want to uh, talk or possibly be interviewed. If you want to uh, join my Patreon, you can get episodes early. I think we have one exclusive up there right now. There might be some more coming in the future. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I think that's at whenimhighdoc for at least a couple of those. And uh, yeah, I just have to say thank you for listening. I say thank you so often, all the time I'm saying thank you. Uh, but I really do mean it. I, I really appreciate every single one of you who, are, who is, listens to this tiny little podcast. Uh, and with your help, uh, we can grow this and more people can hear these wonderful stories from these people. Uh, at least I think they are. I don't know about you. Um, I was recently talking to somebody on Instagram who just binged a whole bunch of episodes, uh, and that was really great to hear. Uh, She was very appreciative of this podcast. Uh, You know who you are. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I got to say. Rate, uh, yes, rate and review uh, on Apple Podcasts if you can. Anywhere else is great too. And uh, subscribe and just tell your friends. And so thank you again for listening. And until next time, uh, this is Spencer and some random person out in the world talking about what it's like to be high.